Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jax. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jax on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. High fly ball. Deep left center field. Mark McGuire's done it again. Number 43. And Mark McGuire now has tied Johnny Mize for the Cardinals' all-time season home run record. That was 43 before McGuire did that? That was it? That was more. Today and in history, going all the way back to 1998 right there. Yeah, 98 during the, the run. but uh, you during, know, during the time when we had sports. I wonder how many guys for the Cardinals, I'm going to look this up because now I'm intrigued. How many guys for the Cardinals have hit more than 43 since 98? Pujols, obviously. Pujols. But what about like Carpenter? Didn't he have like that crazy second half like two years ago? Uh, I'm, I'll be missing some guys. I mean, but I, I'm going to say, what you, what you think? Over, under... Including McGuire, and we know Pujols. Yeah. Okay? On um, guys that have hit more than 43 home runs since 98 for the, um, or just in general now because it's, it, it's, it works both ways. For the but Cardinals. For the Cardinals. I'll set, I'm going to say we're missing like two guys. So I'm going to set the over under a three and a half. I'm, I'm going to take the over. I'm going over as well. You are going to take over? To Sheridan play for him, did he? No. No. Big Tex, no? Uh, I, I mean, we might not be. It might be just those two guys. I mean, Pools might have done it like five times. The Goldschmidt plays there now, but he had a miserable year last year, I think. He did. I'm looking it up right now. So you're going to look it up? Hopefully I can find it. I don't I mean, you're asking a lot of me here, Brad. All right. Uh, well, you look that up. I'm going to finish up this conversation on high school football. And I wanted to just get to some of the responses. Again, thanks for participating in the poll. Uh, what would you do with high school sports this fall if you were in charge of the FHSAA? Again, there's a big board meeting tonight happening in about an hour. I don't know if – I don't. I got to believe that this board meeting is going to last a while. Like this is going to be a two- or three-hour meeting, I would assume. So I have no idea when we'll know anything concrete. But uh, here was the vote. 41% play as scheduled. 22% move it to the spring. Move fall sports to the spring. 21% delay shorten the season. And 16% cancel fall sports. That's out about 350 votes. And the, the poll's still up there on my Twitter feed, at Brent A.S. Jacks. It's interesting, uh, some of the results right there. Some of the responses, to Tony Polster says, move non-contact outside spring sports, baseball, softball, lacrosse to fall. So non-contact outside spring sports, baseball, softball, lacrosse to fall. Lacrosse is non-contact? Well, he's saying outside of those spring sports. So keep baseball, softball, and lacrosse where they're at. But every other non-contact, like, um, I don't know what he'd be referring to. Help me out. I don't know. As a chess club guy. Move non-contact. Track and field. (laughs) (laughs) But you have kind of, don't you have, oh, you have cross country uh, usually in the fall. So, yeah, I don't know what sports that would even include. What am I missing? Uh, Like, Wrestling's a contact sport. I guess you could say like swimming, tennis, tennis. There you go. Uh, so that's what Tony's saying. Bruce uh, uh, says, as a coach of a fall sport, golf at Trinity Christian, I want us to play as scheduled. We play outside and social distancing can be handled. If anything else moves to the spring, kids and coaches work hard to compete. And golf is a fall sport in Florida. And so 
golf's not going to have a problem. I, I, I think golf goes on as long as the kids are going to school. Uh, Buckeye Bill, I wonder who he likes. Uh, <laughs> do like California and Texas start in December, finish by spring. Now, has Texas ruled on that yet? Uh, he might have just seen a rumor about it. I don't know if Texas has officially ruled on that. Fran Delaney says, I hear folks say just move spring sports to the fall. Seems simple, but keep this in mind. If the numbers keep rising, they will cancel sports in fall. This would mean that spring sports again are missed two years in a row. Does not seem fair to those sports. That's a really good point, Fran. I, I don't think they're going to move baseball and softball. Now, I think in Georgia, softball actually does play in the fall, uh, which is interesting. So it's an interesting idea anyway. Get a, you know, kind of put them in a recruiting uh, season. Since it's hard to recruit for the spring for softball and baseball since colleges are playing during that time of year. Uh, I won't read that response. Um, <laughs> okay. uh, Clint says, when the first athlete contracts the virus, the blood is in the water. The lawyers will be lining up in droves. Again, this is Money Grab 101. Well, it all it, it's some about money. Uh, and I, don't, I, I really don't know the full landscape of the legalities of what liability the high schools and even at the college ranks will take on with coronavirus. But I think he does have a point. I think that's what you're really concerned about. Any type of litigation in these situations, FHSAA isn't sitting on a ton of money. Mm -hmm. They don't want to be going to court with people and they don't want to make those risks. Colleges, I believe, are the same way. Maybe a little more apt to in the Power Fives because it might be worth the sixty, seventy million dollar risk of what they make uh, with a football season. And we said this before. I think the NFL is willing to take that risk. They're paying these players. They'll sign something. There'll be some kind of language in there uh, that they are putting themselves at risk as well. Yeah. Uh, and I think the NFL and professional sports are a little more covered in that arena. So the litigation is something. Uh, I do believe that's part of it. I think it's been part of COVID nineteen from the get go. Uh, and I think it's something if you, you're you part of a business, you're in charge of a business, I think you have to be aware of. Yeah. I think that's just re- reality uh, to go along with doing the right thing or, or not the right thing. Did you find our trivia answer? Yeah, so what was the, what was the uh, was it set out again for the 43. numbers? 43. Mize had 43. Oh, and, yes. And so uh, the over-under is three and a half. Yeah. And so McGuire we know. Yeah. And, and again, he, we're not, well, he, he might have done it multiple times. We're just counting one time. So McGuire... Mm-hmm. Pool holes hit over 43. Yep. I'm going to say Carpenter hit. No. He didn't. Not even close. Molina or something like 36. that. Did. No, there's only two guys. Oh, is that it? <laughs> That's it. Oh, the way you were reacting, so, I thought like oh, we no. had like eight so, of them. No, so Jim Edmonds back in 2000 and 2004 hit 42, oh. but just missed out on the mark. And then, I mean, don't get, to be fair, Johnny Mize back in 1940 hit 43, in case you were worried about oh, that. Oh, that was the record yeah, McGuire broke. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then Carpenter, 36. Uh, Wait, Ryan what, Carpenter Ludwig, 36. 37. I think he had 30 of them in the second half of the year. Carpenter right? did. Um, yeah, I mean, that's about it, that's man. It. Paul, Paul Goldschmidt had 34 last year. So and and not he really bad, didn't but, even have a good year. Yeah, so there so, you go. Wow, that's wild. That is wild. So how, so what's uh, McGuire's got what? Uh, he so had the He's got 70. 70. He's got 65. Gosh, he had 65, too. Yeah. That son of a gun cheater. <laughs> the Big Mac. Um, yeah. 65, 70. What did Pujols have? He had to have a couple over 50, right? Pujols had 49, 47, 46, 43. Really? Four, 42. He never, he never, 41. He never Dang. hit over 50? Dude, check these numbers out real if quick. If you had a bingo card, you hey, got Pujols in the 40s. I mean, check this out here. Pujols, 37, 37, 37. 
37, 41, 42, 43, 46, 47, 49. Wow. Damn. Pujols a lot like his career is going to look a lot like, in that respect, Hank Aaron. Yeah. Didn't Aaron, with all the home runs, 715 of them, I, I, I think, um, I I don't, what's the number? Go. What's the most Aaron hit in a year? Okay. But I want to say it's like, I'm not sure he had over 45 in a season. I think it was just consistency. Uh, let's see what we got. Did I just here. have the wrong number for Aaron? It's seven fifteen, right? You're asking a lot of me. Uh he he's had seven fifty five. Uh, he's fifty five. Yep. I, that's uh, why I was wondering. So we got what's Bonds have overall? Well, do you want to know the Aaron, do you want to know Hank Aaron's home run numbers first? His highest total. Yeah. Before we get to Bonds, all right. So his highest. Give me 40, all the years. Of, give me all the years of Hank Aaron. All right. Uh, his highest 47, 45, 44, 44, 44, 44, 40. 40, 30, 39, wow. 39, 38, 34, and so on. Yeah, Hank Aaron, I knew 750. I want to know. How many Barry Bonds have? 762. So he's got 762. Don't we have a stat boy for this? I know. I, that, what, what happened to him? I, I, I refuse to be stat boy. Oh, I'm no, not no, taking no, up that no, job. No, Scott, no, we actually we had a stat boy on the show, but I don't know. So I, he I lived should, in someone's basement and we lost touch of him. I should be suspended, by the way, but I, I guess. So is Ruth have 715? Is that? Yeah, Babe Ruth has 715. Okay. Uh, and Aaron seven fifty five and Bonds a forgotten seven sixty two. <laughs> sure, I, I don't consider. I, I'll be honest, with you, I don't consider him. In my opinion, Bonds. You don't consider those. Uh, and bo- believe me, I'm a guy that says I think Bonds deserve should be in the Hall of Fame. Correct. I think uh, he had one. Even though his his head was huge, he had <laughs> a. The season was the most impressive thing I've ever seen. If you watch Barry Bonds' season that one year. He hit everything hard. Yeah. And he walked a million times. And if you know, that's like, you can get impatient so quickly hitting. Mm-hmm. And he did not. Yeah. And every time he got a pitch to hit, he absolutely drilled it. It was the, it was, it was so impressive. Yeah. But I still just don't, I don't consider him. We know he, it wasn't right. Like we know it. Yeah. And so 762 means nothing well, to me, uh, in bonds. I'll always consider him a great, 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 great player. Yeah. But I, I would. I still put Aaron seven fifty five in my own mind. I catalog that as the the most home runs of all time. No, I mean I'm kind of the same way, right? Where I agree with you because just the influence that Barry Bonds had on baseball, he definitely should be in the Hall of Fame. But in terms of the numbers, yes, they are inflated. But at the same time, you got to think though, man. I get it. You're juiced to the gills and everything, but the the the, the arms the, the arm brace that he wore must have weighed about ten pounds. So all the juice that he was pumping had to counteract for the fact that he had ten pounds of just padding on his arm to counteract that. So it was essentially like he was a normal baseball player not doing juice because he had so much weight on that front arm. He was a Terminator. By the way, yeah. I'm pretty sure Bonds used a small bat, too. Did he? Probably so he could whip that thing around with all the padding he Dude, had. How, how ridiculous was it? Remember, like, remember when he got walked and take it all, all of it off all the time? Like, it took five minutes to take off all that padding. I've never been a huge fan of the padding that that baseball players wear. Sure. Like Ortiz and everybody does it. Now, like, I, I'll see the kids do it, at, like the ankle oh, guard and okay, stuff. Okay, the ankle guard. I can see. Yeah, I it just. But if you're a kid, I don't need to see the, the, the padding. I see it. Everybody's got something. Yeah. The elbow. But I will say this, man. Go get hit by a 90 mile an hour fastball. <laughs> see how it feels. And and especially like again, not really the. I mean, the kids you want to stay healthy, but for the professionals. Yeah. If I'm making 15 million a year or 12 million a year, I want to stay healthy. Sure. And so if that's what it takes to stay healthy, I mean, when you're getting hit by in that league, a 100 mile an hour fastball, well, I I guess I can see it. You know, I mean, yeah. because you could 
I'm just surprised when guys get hit, they don't get hurt more. Who, who are as, you telling? As fast as that ball's going. Well, I'm surprised about that, Brent. I'm also surprised about either batters or pitchers alike. You know, like when a pitcher, the, the line ball comes back at him and takes oh, him yeah. out. How don't you get gun shy after that? Yeah, like, well, some do. Okay, some do. But even like as a batter, man, like if I get beamed, even if it's in the meat of the back and, you know, I can just, I flex it off and I stare the pitcher down. Dude, the rest of the game, probably for the next three years of my career, I'm worried about getting hit. Like, I'm not going to crowd the plate anymore just because I don't want to get hit again. I can't imagine that. They got a rule down at uh, Creekside, I think it is. Uh, this is the rule that if you move out of the way of a pitch, yeah, you get a hundred, you get a hundred burpees. So they hang in there and Excuse take me? one for the team and, and in go, high school. Uh, yeah, and uh, <laughs> take one for the team, man, and get down to first base, get that bag. Hey, hey, Creek. I mean, they're, obviously they're pretty good at baseball. Let's yeah. be honest here. I like them. I like what? it. What? Also, you got a bunch of happy Gilmore's on the team stepping in the batting cage and just flexing it off a couple times. Yeah, it's just instead okay. of damn. And I'll say I'll couple that with this. Talk well, about a culture here's, change. Here's one of my um, one of the things I can't stand being around like little kids baseball okay. or youth baseball yeah is and some of it now is joking so i'm okay with the joke one mm. but the parent coach whatever who says wear it you should have wore it you know like what like get suck, hit by it instead of move it out of the way yeah yeah, yeah yeah it's like you go do that yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> your instant reaction is to is to get out of the way yeah yeah exactly i hate when they say that it'd be oh, one of the things i could cross off uh, of what people say walk it off I'm always, a, <laughs> I'm always reminded of, of the hockey rinks playing uh peewee and everything that um you know after a couple cores lights deep all the parents started shouting <laughs> put a body on them let's put a body on them which means hey hit, hit the kid on the boards and knock him unconscious uh, right. yeah put a body on him <laughs> And, I, and these are moms talking about like these aren't dads. These are moms that have been smoking a pack of cigarettes in the parking lot. Come back in in that cold air, you know, that cold air gets to you. Put a body on him. What's in that hot chocolate? <laughs> That's what I'm saying, man. <laughs> I, who knew yeah. you could get so violent oh, you, in the stands? You better believe it, man. Good times, oh, man. hockey. Yep. Hey, uh, there was an article I, I saw the last few days. Uh, college football. Yeah. Somebody suggested. I think it was Bruce Feldman out of the Athletic. You know, the whole moving to the spring, we're talking about high school football and what could happen. His suggestion, because he had a conversation with somebody about a month ago, and then somebody else brought it up, and uh, the conversation was, could you put group of five, non-Power 5 schools, FCS schools, Mm -hmm. in the spring? Not just this year, but all the time. And therefore, this AAF and XFL, these spring professional leagues that people were after, now you have it. With these non-power fives yeah. and and FCS, and these schools get a lot of love, and yeah. they probably get more cash because now CBS and NBC Sports and ESPNs willing to pay money to get the rights for those games. Yeah, you know yeah. it's a great thought. It's it's beneficial probably for the group of five from a notoriety and dollar standpoint. Let's just take the group of five, but we can include FCS in there too. It's beneficial for the TV networks to get some football. It's beneficial maybe for the fans to kind of fall in love with some of these smaller schools, but also some of these players that don't get enough attention get swallowed up by Power 5, SEC, Big 10, ACC, and all the big games, Alabama versus Florida and Mm -hmm. and others. So I think there's a lot of benefits to go around. Well, what's the hang-up? Well, the hang-up's obvious. A lot of those kids go to the draft. Correct. You're one of them. Yeah. Right? So then what do you do for the combine and the all-star games, all that stuff? And again, this is the problem to a degree. 
How do you get the NCAA and the NFL on the same page in something like this? Could you slide things back a little bit? Uh, could you slide the combine, pro days, the draft back to accommodate a more tw- uh, 12-month cycle of real football for the fan um, and also for exposure for these kids? Does it allow your NFL teams to scout differently? Because if I'm an NFL scout, where am I spending my time? In the SEC, Correct. in the ACC, at those games, I'm probably not going to Murray State too often Correct. until somebody flashes and says, well, i got to get there. Yep. And I'm probably not going there three times. <laughs> no, I, I'm sure. going there once. Yeah. So does it allow some of these kids maybe to be seen? Is it more opportunity for some of those uh, players to kind of showcase what they have? You know, I was really intrigued by it. I like it. I understand the calendar moving is a huge hurdle Mm -hmm. and something that I think the NFL would be so apprehensive to do. But there's a lot of things that make sense about it, in my opinion. I'm not mad at it. You know, it's it's not that bad of an idea. I just think that you're going to have a lot of blowback in terms of we talk about those college players, whether they're from the S, the FCS or SEC, depending on the calendar year. I just feel like the NFL teams, uh, more specifically, you know, obviously the, the guys that are scouting are going to have an issue with it because usually the way it goes in scouting is, listen, you, you have your you have your region, you get it done, you turn it into, you know, the, the coaches and the GM, and then it's off from there, right? To, I guess, prototypically say, you know what, now we're going to have two uh, of these, you know, things where we're going to have one half the year is going to focus on these guys and then the other half is going to focus on these guys. I think NFL coaches and GMs, they want it under one umbrella. I don't think they want to do more work um, and have to kind of necessarily, you know, I'm okay for all my phrases here, but go back and then have to worry about more recruits coming out. I think they'd rather have all the recruits under one umbrella that way they can kind of evaluate everyone at the same time and their talent and then kind of figure out what they're going to look like on the roster. Yeah, I get it. Listen, uh, I I think that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think the more you can consolidate, the more it's in this window of time. And guess, let's just say this, okay? The more it's the way we're used to it being. Exactly. Because we don't like change. Correct. Well, isn't this a great time to spark some change in some of those calendar things that are so stuck in our heads Mm -hmm. where everything is thrown up in the air and could restart, rethink it. Don't do it just because it's been done that way. This is a great time Mm -hmm. in our our lifetimes, uh, in our sports time, and maybe in college football's world to do something like this. And again, this, you know, in a world that is... Motivated by money, this could be dollars in a big time way for those kind of schools and also for ratings and and TV uh, viewership and and product to have in in that dead window of when like the spring leagues were scheduled to go March and April and May. Does this wind up costing the the collegiate players a season of uh, potential eligibility and exposure, though, by pushing it back like that? Or does it actually create an opportunity for an extra season for them to showcase when they're not competing up against the big power schools at that time? Well, that's what I say. I I, I don't. First of all, from an eligibility standpoint, the eligibility would work the same. Mm -hmm. But I do think the eyeballs, Scott, to what you're saying would be on them more than ever before. So Austin Lane, who comes from Murray State, he doesn't have to. Hope that some NFL guy sees him True. at his pro day or he performs. Well, now this guy is being watched, but, you know, on, on 10 different we- weekends for two and a half, three months in the spring. And he's not competing with 
Alabama and Florida State and Texas yeah. and USC and Notre Dame. But here's the problem, though, Brent, is that so for instance, like for the FCS schools, right? Well, you miss out on the, those big games. You right? do, and you do. and to be fair, but they're when, going when was, away, man. It looks no, like they I, could be I going. I hear you. But I'm going. just saying, when I was getting recruited, though, I'll be honest with you. A lot of the scouts didn't really care what I did against Eastern Illinois. True. They didn't care what I did against Tennessee State. They wanted to watch me against Indiana. They wanted to watch me against Louisville. Fair enough. They, they wanted to watch me against NC State. So I had the most, you know, I guess critiquing from those games, obviously. I think that if we get wrapped up in the, just the FCS play, well, then that could actually hurt players now because now you're saying, well, yeah, he's good, but how good is he? Um, and if you can't go to like a senior bowl, kind of like Ben Barch did out of a D3 school, well, then how can you really showcase your talent against you know future NFL caliber type players? You can't really do that. So that's maybe one of the, the, the negatives I would say. And it's not perfect. I understand that. And we also got to keep in mind as well, if you push it back, so the FCS school gets they get pushed back a little bit, well, are you to counteract now with college basketball? And I'll be honest, I don't watch a lot of regular season college basketball. I'll turn it on every once in a while. But are you going to affect some schools in terms of how their their college basketball teams are perceived as well? I think it would depend when the what the calendar looks like. Okay. First of all, I think the NFL wouldn't spring. sign off on anything that that would uh, take place prior to the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. right? If they're going to work in conjunction, it's got to be after the Super Bowl. Yeah. So now we're looking at what. Mid-February. Well, that's exactly when those spring leagues were starting up. Well, that runs into a month of college hoops. But that's it. Well, that's actually not fair. That's more like six weeks of college hoops. So there is a little competition there. Mm -hmm. But we know there's more thirst for – I mean, listen, these spring leagues, people love the idea. They didn't necessarily love the product. It didn't last. The pandemic hit for the XFL. That was it on that, AAF went to pot in a hurry, mm-hmm. um, but they liked the idea of it, they, the, whoever was thirsty for it. And I just feel like college football, some of the names you hear, some of the stars that could be born out of it, knowing that they'll someday be in the league, some of them, some of them. It, it could be pretty Plus, good. I mean, opposed to watching, and I know this isn't really the way it is for Murray State, but let's just say opposed to watching Murray State play. Careful now. You know. Careful. It, Mm, whoever, North Dakota State. Who the bison? At, at, at midnight. Coming to Roy's tour? You want to bring it? At you know, midnight on ESPN 12. <laughs> now you're on CBS on a Saturday afternoon. But do you think it would be that differential, though, Brent? Do you think that there would be that need to see? And listen, obviously I'm biased. I'm a Murray State guy, and I respect North Dakota State. But do you think overall in the grand scheme of things that the advertising and those deals that get done to showcase FCS schools with ESPN or CBS, whoever, do you think they're actually going to be that lucrative? Yeah, well, here's the thing. What you're saying, there's going to be a need for it well, at that point. But what you said is the guarantee games. So let's just take the guarantee games that they get. So let's just say they, they continue on. Mm-hmm. Well, the guarantee games are good for what uh, anywhere between, I would say, a half a million and a million and a half dollars usually. Yeah. That sound about right? Yep. Do I think they're going to get more revenue out of TV dollars in the spring than a million and a half dollars? Absolutely. You think so? Absolutely. Yeah. I think mm. the conference divvy up that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think so. Yeah. I think it could. I think it could be uh, a very comparable, okay. if not the chance for a lot more. And just think, see, I, I like the group of five. I, I don't like this. Uh, the, the one thing I if I if I have one pet peeve with college football. And again, it's, I think a lot of it's because I didn't grow up down here. I'm just being completely honest, mm-hmm. is is the good old boy nature of college football, right? This is the way we've done it. We're the power five. We're so much better than you. Well, you're right. You are. Um, but at times it feels like they're the bully on the block as well. 
And so the group of five, all these, if you're not in that club, that fraternity, mm-hmm. you're not the 64 teams or whatever in that fraternity, then you really are shoved aside. And you feel it. Like the group of five feels it. Now they want a seat at the party, but look at what UCF just battled through the last few years. They'll, what do you want me to do? Win. Okay, we won. What do you want us to do? Well, beat teams like Auburn. Okay, we did. Well, you still don't want but, to include us in anything. I yeah, mean, what but, else can we do? But, Brent, but what helped UCF more? Winning a conference championship or showing up, beating Auburn, you know, going undefeated against some pretty big schools? What did more for the recruiting? What did more for putting their school on the map? Let's be honest here. That's a great point. That's yeah. a really good point. And I think you're right, but I don't know what winning a spring season would do for them. Mm-hmm. I know they would be on TV a lot more, sure. more prominent TV, not just the one time against Auburn or maybe the one time game day came out. But what if game day is out there once a year now? Yeah. You know, uh, I, I, that's a good it's a really good argument. Well, um, and again, I understand it from the recruiting aspect, too. You, there is value to recruiting at UCF and saying, hey, we're going to go down the road and play someone from the SEC, whoever it is, or ACC, if they can schedule that game. It's been tough for UCF even to do that. But uh, but I get the point. And and I think yours is a good one. Do you Boise State became Boise State. Why? Mm-hmm. In a lot of respects, because of what they did in that Fiesta Bowl against Oklahoma. Correct. Right? Fair. And I think from a coaching perspective as well, like, for instance, North Dakota State, they've been a coaching carousel for the past decade because they've gone into Iowa and beat Iowa. They've gone to Kansas State and Manhattan, and they beat Kansas State. So when you do that, when you're at a small FCS school and you beat the big dogs, well, guess what? Bigger schools take notice and are like, we, we have to get these guys from FCS. We have to get them in, in this conference because yeah. they're that good of coaches. Scott Frost, all right? Scott Frost got the job in Nebraska. Why? Because he turned around UCF. Not to say if Scott Frost won a couple you know division championships or conference championships and didn't beat the big dogs, maybe he sort of got that job. But I think it's just there's a lot more to it if you go against the, the teams that you're not supposed to beat. You beat them. And I think from a job growth standpoint, that's what it's all about. But we notice Scott Frost. Well, Scott Frost might be a little bit different based on kind of his name recognition. But we've been noticed Scott Frost, and we notice row your boat guy up in Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. About max twice a year. Maybe yeah. because they beat somebody early on, and then like a bowl game that they beat somebody. Sure. And that's it. Yeah. Well, this time around, we might find that there are a lot of Scott Frosts, a lot of guys that row your boat, a lot yeah. of guys like that. In the ranks of the group of five that don't get any love unless they're playing in a big bowl game and have a chance. Yeah. And by the way, very few have a chance to compete in the bowl games against big schools because there's not a lot of spots for them. Yeah. So I just, I don't know. I, I love, I, I like s- the concept. I understand there's hurdles. I think you just brought up some, some really good mm-hmm. ones. And I think there's one other part of this that's really interesting. The pandemic could change the whole paradigm in terms of college athletics as we know it, as we knew it. Mm-hmm. And the, the schools that are going to take the hit. We already are feeling this because conference tournaments or sports are being pushed away or, or gone. Um, is the group of five uh, or FCS type of schools? It's those kind of schools that don't have this embarrassment of riches of dollars coming in. They are taking a huge hit right now. Yeah. Well, this might not be a good recovery opportunity, recovery plan, a, a chance to change the whole dynamic, the paradigm, the way it's set up uh, for them to. You know, probably make similar dollars, maybe get more attention, find more diamonds in the rough on the coaching and player level, but also 
not have to worry about playing this big dollar game that the rest of them are playing in the Power Five. I think it's a fascinating conversation. Well, and listen, I think it's a great conversation. And I think there's pros and cons to each side. I mean, at the end of the day, man, if I can have football year-round, I'm not going to turn that down. And I think that there are some great coaches out there. My defensive line coach in Murray State, to say the least, you know, he's at Tulane right now. I, I want to see his defense get showcased, man. I want his guys flying around. I want him talking about Coach Johnny Jernigan. So with that being said, I would love to see the smaller schools, kind of the unheard of's a little bit, get their spotlight in the sun and show, you know what, just because you go to a small school doesn't mean there's not talent all around. So I'm from that standpoint, I'm for it. The biggest question when it comes down to the Brent is money. And you have to ask yourself, is is there enough of a market, whether it's from ESPN or CBS or whoever it's going to be, to, to shell out the money for these conferences and showcase their games? If there is, then I would seriously consider doing it. If there's not, then you have to go with the status quo like the way you've been doing it for the past you know, decades. I don't think it's going to change, quite frankly. Um, i got to be honest, I kind of wish it would. Yeah. I, I think it would be a cool thing. I think mm-hmm. it could be. It's a risky thing, but I think it would be a really cool thing. Well, let's try it. Yeah. Well, why not try it? You know, but. Well, this might be the year to yeah, try it. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that some are going to try it. Yeah. You know, just uh, because of the, the situation. Uh, There's already a programming in. gap in the spring, so might as well. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, hey, well, we're going to take a break. When we come back, the NFL has reached an agreement with the NFLPA on some of the testing protocols. What's the latest coming out of the NFL? Here on a Monday, on the eve of rookies reporting to camp, and eight days away from entire teams being at training camp 2020. Oh, it's going to look and feel and sound so different here this year. But uh, we're on the horizon. We're getting ready for it. Basketball is on coming back next week. Major League Baseball starts this week. High school football decisions happening today. A lot happening here on a Monday in uh, mid-July. We'll be back. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Jump in on the conversation. 904-362-9901 or star star 690. Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30. Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jack star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jaren Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Welcome back. Happy Monday, everybody. Brent Morneau, Austin Lane. Scott in for Coos. Hope you're doing well. Had a good weekend. I mean, it is summer, summer, summer time. I got the Duval till we die summer shirt on. I like it. They call it their one o'clock shirt. It's called, it's called one o'clock shirt? I think that's what they I think that's what it is. I think that's nice. what made by Tim told me. Looks good. Made by Tim working on Dream 18 logo again. Appreciate all his work. And uh, Dream 18 is happening on September 14th at uh, the Golf Club at Southampton, uh, which continues to be in fantastic shape. Our good friends over there, we appreciate them uh, being a part of the Dream 18 uh, once again. And the website is active, actionsportsjacksdream18.com. I want to, uh, you know, I think we do a pretty decent job on the tea gifts that we normally do, which means when you know when you register to play in a golf tournament, you usually walk up and get something. Sure. And uh, we're working on those this week, and I think we're going to have some pretty cool ones. Mm-hmm. So it's the hardest thing about the tournament is a tea gift. Yeah. And so what you know basically because, and I, I'm not uh, criticizing any other tournament. It's the, 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 no, I'm seriously not. Okay. It's just like there's limitations on like what are you gonna. We we play. There's 200 local golf 
tur- charity tournaments in Jacksonville annually. Okay. Well, what's the number one thing you're probably going to get? I'll give you three top things you're probably going to get at a golf tournament if you sign up and play it. Golf balls. Good. Number one. Tease? This is like family feud. Yeah. No, t- tease, tease doesn't count. Okay. Okay. Um, oh, wait, wait, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. So golf balls. Um. What else? I'm drawing a blank now, Brent. I'm not gonna lie. I don't know. Come uh, on. A towel. A uh, towel's not bad. I I don't think that would make the top three list. Okay. But towel might be close. Embroidered towel. Hat. Golf hat. Hats. Let's go. All right. I got two strikes. One more. Hat. Shirt. Yes. Let's go, baby. You got Fast it. Fast money round. Let's Fast go, bro. Fast money round. Let's do it. I like it. So you got it. Yeah. Uh, so I would say mm-hmm. hat, mm-hmm. polo shirt, sure, and golf balls are in the top three. Towel might be in there. Oh, yeah. But but I, I think we hit the top three. A little bonus answer there. For and you everyone. get a lot like umbrellas. Sure. A lot of people have moved to bags, like uh, maybe it's a shoe bag or like a backpack bag, okay. you know? I thought you were like a golf bag. I'm like, whoa. whoa, no, whoa no, 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 not. Careful no. I mean, now. I mean, unless you're playing in like Jim Furyk's event or sure, something like sure. that. Yeah, like they'll, yeah. then there's some real. Whoa, he's sponsored by whatever. Callaway Pain or something. Callaway, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but I'm telling you, we've been doing the golf tour. This will be, you know, the Dream 18 is this will be 11th year, but we didn't do the golf tournament for the first handful of years. It was more of a TV segment. Mm-hmm. So we've been doing the golf tournament for six years. Well, you run out of. I do the hat every year. Hmm? Well, I also have done a bucket hat in the past. And I think I might go back to the bucket hat this year, kind of beach theme it up. I like the bucket hat a lot. So we go bucket hat, uh, maybe like a sun, like this, like a sun well, shirt. Well, I'm not going to lie. The shirt that you gave me last year, and Grant, I didn't take T-shirt. play. T-shirt. Yeah, but dude, but it was it was like a good fabric. Like, Listen, you're not shortchanging anybody. That was a Nike shirt. You could easily, I'm not going to call any companies, Hanes. You could easily wear like the, the Hanes BPT. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, Fruit of a Loom, like those Cheap $5 shirts that shrink in the water. No, man, these are high-quality cotton we're talking about. Yeah. Here. Props to you. That was a Nike shirt. Yeah, that was um, a great shirt. So and, and so I went a little bit off the radar last year. Mm-hmm. We did T-shirt. Like, nobody, not too many T-shirts are given out at golf tournaments because why? You wouldn't wear it on the golf course. I, right? I, I would, but yeah, yeah. you would. I would. But yeah, you and Look Matthew Driscoll part. would, but <laughs> that's it. Uh, and then we went golf socks yeah, last year. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. right. Yep. Socks actually came out. They were. I didn't expect them to be as good as they were. I kind of liked the socks, and, and they were well received. They were money. Uh, Ty wears them all the time. For sure. I actually played with Bachman today. He had them on. There you go. There you go. So uh, so anyway, I'm going beach theme, and we might do one of the, like, the string bag Mm-hmm. thing you know how like everybody has that yeah yeah so yeah. if you're going to the beach you get your little bag yep right? i like in that case you get, need your phone put that in mm-hmm. get your sun shirt mm-hmm. and you got a bucket hat i like it cool i, I mean i'm just throwing this out there shades i know i, I but thought then, about I, I, the sunglasses but, but shades fit everyone differently though well but it's not that it's like sunglasses are i could probably get sunglasses like really cheap but then they're cheap sunglasses they're cheap sunglasses yeah or i like i don't you go ray-ban or i need ray-ban. anybody got a contact at ray-ban or something <laughs> oakley i'm uh, <laughs> Call me up. <laughs> yeah. Um, by the way, this will be a shameless plug for the Dream 18, but I also think because we're doing the beach theme, mm-hmm. we could actually get somebody involved with, like, a skin cancer awareness. Oh, good call. Be a good idea. I like that. So jump on board, Let's people. go. Brent, let's Where go. Where are you? Marketing people, let's go. Um, but anyway, so Dream 18's on. But these are the things we go through. I like it. Uh, for the Dream well, 18. Would you say that you're going to have more on your plate this year or less on your plate given the COVID-19 or, or the same on your plate? What, what kind of plate are we talking about here, Brent? In the fall? Yeah, I can't get a feel for it. Mm-hmm. I really can't. I, I I was kind of telling you this. I was like, usually, but my mental clock right about now says, okay, it's football time. Mm-hmm. You know, you watch as much baseball as you you can watch. 
you played a little golf. Uh, you know, we really haven't gone on vacations, but we have actually gone out to like Alabama and stuff for baseball. Uh, and I'm kind of rested up and ready to go when it's time to hit the gas. Yeah. Now I'm excited for it because I think it's happening. I just don't know in what capacity. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if my ment- uh, clock hasn't hit yet. I don't know if it's next week that it will because that's actually when camp happens in July. Um, or it's just the uncertainty. Yeah. I'm really having a hard time figuring it out uh, the way it is. But, I mean, listen, we're we're doing a ton of TV shows. We obviously have the radio show. We got uh, a lot going on. Dream 18 will be the day after the season opener um, at the golf club at Southampton. So I think the plate will be full. I like it. Good. But I can't wait. It's time to work, man. Yes, sir. Time to get after it. I hear you, man. Let's go. I'm with you. So uh, I, I'm excited about that. Okay. Uh, NFL protocols. We've got some new news from uh, Dan Graziano. Graziano. Excuse me. Sorry, Dan. <laughs> Uh, didn't mean to mess up your name. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Oh, Yannick, I see, just tweeted more love. Not sure what it means. Oh, Ngakwe? Yeah. More love, huh? Side Sidetrack. More money. Okay, here's Dan Graziano. NFL and NFLPA have agreed on testing protocols. They will start with daily testing for the first two weeks, mm-hmm. then go to every other day if the positive test rate falls below 5%. If it doesn't, they'll keep testing daily. So that is basically it in a nutshell. There are some other thoughts on here, but they've agreed on that. And then I think Schefter soon after that said uh, a lot of the things are coming together. They're coming together pretty quick. I think they're getting this done. Uh, and the NFLPA wants a little bit of that uh, safety precaution with the testing. Yeah. Take care of themselves. Take care of their families. Well, and I think that's what we're going to get. To me, it comes down to the, what, what type of testing are we talking about here? Like, are you getting the cotton swab up the nose? Because that's, you know, that tells you if you have COVID-19 or not. Or are you just going to take, like, the, the temperature like they do at my kid's school right now or his daycare where they just kind of swipe your temperature? Okay, you don't have a fever. You're good to go. The way this is presented is it's, it will be the swab or something that sure. actually tells you if you have it. Because it says the, the lab they're working with... Um, We'll have the results in 24 hours. And that was my next point is sometimes these take like weeks to come back from, but you have to know like right away. Yeah, and MLB, I think, initially had a little bit of an issue with that. They figured it out. So, you know, they're following some of the protocols of the other clubs, according to these reports. So I think, um, you know, that should satisfy players, right? And, And it will be, I think, two negative tests before they're allowed to participate in the facilities, all those. That's pretty standard now. That's what most of the leagues have been saying. So, uh, I mean, that's a really good step in the right direction. Now we preseason games, that's, all those other things. To me, that's the big ones of preseason games. Yeah, that'll be the next step. But I think they can actually get into camps and still border on that a little bit. No, for sure. But I just think, listen, coaches want to go into camp knowing it's going to be preseason. Yeah, or not, fair you know? I think everyone wants to know that as well. But I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, what else are you concerned about if you're a player? So to me, it's what uh, we talked about on Friday a little bit, and probably the biggest thing that was part of that protocol, uh, you know, statement they released. I think it was on Thursday, is the fact that COVID nineteen is being designated as an injury. Okay, because that gives the team an option to put a player on IR if he has COVID nineteen. To me, that shouldn't be so because technically, I mean, I, I get it. Yeah, you can put him on IR, whatever. But like, listen, COVID nineteen 
it's it's a sickness. It's a virus. It's like catching the flu. Like you're not gonna put you wouldn't put a player on the, the IR because oh well he got strep throat for a week or two weeks. Like you wouldn't do that. But to justify it to do it with COVID nineteen, I just think with the way NFL teams operate and sometimes of making those you know those sneaky calculated roster moves. The last thing I want to see is a guy that's kind of on the back door, but you know they still want to keep him. They put him on IR because he had COVID-19. So that, to me, is the biggest thing right now going forward is can you actually designate COVID-19 as an injury-related case? Yeah, I, I think that will be a classification that they'll continue to work on, some of the language of that. Um, I, I just really feel like now they're going to get to work. So as to getting to work, and we'll keep you updated on any of the protocols that uh, take place. By the way, the other storylines of the day, uh, if you're just catching up and, and jumping out of work or getting in your car or listening to the show or watching the show, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or Twitch, uh, be aware that I could get a, a cramp at any time. I uh, did a lot of walking today, maybe a little dehydrated, haven't had Pedialyte. So you could see that, and that might well, be a laughable moment. I'm not going to lie. I see a full bottle of water in front of you, not even opened yet. Well, that's my second one. Oh, it's okay. Okay, good, good. Yeah, good, good. Okay. and I've already had quite a bit today. Okay, good. But, okay, I'm just, uh, I, Good, I'm good chance to shout out to CGC Water is. and our friends over there. They'll very nicely done. CGCwater.com. Uh, the rookies, let's just say they show tomorrow or sometime in the next couple of days. What happens between now and, and Tuesday? Uh, and remember now, you have some rookies never even been in the facility. I know, man. And now, I think what the word is, is like... Uh, uh, was it Houston and somebody else? Kansas City. Kansas City. And basically, they were getting tested, and they were going back home. Like, that's what they were doing today. Yeah. That that might be the place thing tomorrow. But you get my point. When they get in there, like, what? Anything accomplished by the rookies? And, and the Jags are in a, a bigger situation when it comes to rookies. They got a ton of them. Yeah. Listen, I mean, in terms of the rookies coming in, you just have to show them where everything is first. Like, hey, this is where your locker room is because I mean, those are some pretty long hallways. This is how practice goes. Like, to me, it's about getting the rookies um, conditioned as much as possible, not only obviously physically, but mentally as well. Um, I think it's a thing where you have to go because th- there's going to be on field work too, right, Brent? There's going to be like, it's like a, like a r- rookie mini camp kind of thing or not? Have they announced that? I don't know the all parameters of what they're allowed to do. Okay. Um, even, even normally, I think it's a lot of classroom stuff. It's getting sure. in the weight room. And again, according to what the players want to do, remember, there's like a 21 day acclimation process. I think everything's going to start in the weight room. Yeah. And sure, on the field, but just some drill work. I mean, the, the, yeah. that's the biggest thing is just making sure that everyone's in shape and everyone can kind of know what to expect once training camp starts. Now, it's not going to be perfect. I understand that. It's not going to be a traditional rookie mini camp. But the most important thing right now, if you're if you're Doug Marone, um, or if you're a member of that coaching staff, is making sure those new guys coming in are comfortable by the time training camp starts, or at least as comfortable as possible. How much is your head spinning if you're a rookie? Because, well, these are uncertain times, but also again, you didn't get that acclimation process, and really, it, like. I don't care who you are. You can have swagger to you. You can you can feel good about your game. You can be excited to be in the NFL. But if and we've all started new jobs, mm-hmm. we've all started uh, or, or gone to new places, whatever it might be, new school. And you can have those feelings and, and be confident and all that stuff. But there's still a level of uncertainty about what to expect going into that new place for the first day, week, maybe even a month. Depends how long that acclimation process takes. I would think a lot of these guys, whether they would admit it or not, they might admit it three years from now, the butterflies are churning 
mm-hmm. because all of a sudden you're like when when all this is going on and camp is in kind of the future you're like well i got time i got time it's gonna happen it's gonna happen then all of a sudden it's here mm-hmm. and then when it gets here it's like oh my gosh we're like five weeks away from me making this team or for my future yeah. is is in the next four weeks and then oh man we're playing like i've got four five six weeks to impress a coaching staff that really hasn't seen me out on the field in this uniform because we've been on virtual zoom meetings listen i had those butterflies in rookie year and i had them every single year after that and i think a lot of players in that locker room um whether they're rookies or vets would share my same um statements there where you still get those butterflies you know like when you're a week away from reporting it's like oh man ramping back up again here we go it's like the first day of school over again from the rookies perspective though i think we're gonna see a little longer of an adjustment period this year obviously regarding no rookie mini camp and no time to actually get acclimated i I think that we're i think teams that are going to be relying on rookies to come in right away and start are going to be behind the eight ball a little bit because once again there there is a difference there is a big jump a big hurdle from going to college and then going to the pros not only obviously on the field which is, is obvious to everybody but also in in the meeting rooms okay because the way nfl meetings are set up and everything it's going to be a rude awakening i feel like for a lot of rookies out there where yeah you thought you spent a lot of time in college watching film and doing breakdowns wait to get to the pros wait till you're on hour three going on hour four during training camp and you're still watching film and you're trying to fall asleep you have to grab some sunflower seeds or go grab a coffee so you don't fall asleep so you don't get chewed out and embarrassed in front of you know your position coach and things like that so there's a lot of things that a rookie's gonna have to adjust to on the fly which is rare this has never happened before so i just think with that being said not only on the field but off the field as well there's going to be a longer adjustment period by the time we see the rookies be like oh wow this kid's going to be special we can see it i don't think we're going to get a lot of those did you see that kid play that play today i think it's take a little longer brent to get for the rookies to get acclimated you brought up an interesting topic today when we're going over topics for the show wide receiver number one yeah who would it be for the jags by the way this would be dj chark i think that's uh, no doubt about it you brought up uh, guys like deandre hopkins guys like michael thomas should join that conversation yeah leo jones definitely in the conversation so there was a question on espn um that they tweeted i think they talked about on the show this morning as well and basically it came down to if you could pick any wide receiver one right now you know like the, the the legit wide receiver one who are you taking and the options once again were julio jones Michael Thomas or DeAndre Hopkins. No, I think if you wanted to, you could maybe put like, I don't know, put like Devontae Adams up there. I think it's a little underrated. I mean, there's a couple other guys if you want to throw in the mix as well. Uh, healthy AJ Green. Healthy AJ Green. But question Jarvis goes, Landry. The question Odell goes to Beckham you, Jr. Ah, uh, see, Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe. But the question goes to you, though, Brent. In your eyes right now, if you had any wide receiver, as a wide receiver one, who are you taking? Julio Jones. Julio Jones. Didn't even think about it. Nope. Just what? That's see that's and truth be told that was I think the that was the winner in terms of the poll like more and it was it was a close call but I think more people voted for Julio Jones than anybody that's surprising to me really yeah I I just think from see it's surprising because I feel like he gets lost in the shuffle sometimes because the Falcons for lack of a better word haven't really had been that successful it seems like the past couple years or so now they went to the Super Bowl obviously and uh, you know stunk it up against the Patriots and then that third fourth quarter. But like I think Julio Jones just gets lost in the shuffle a little bit. I'd probably take Michael Thomas right now. But maybe that's because he has all the hype around him. Well, he's putting up absurd numbers. Yeah. But if you're telling me you can match up 
this is the way I think about it, right? You can match up Michael Thomas with Jalen Ramsey or Stephon Gilmore. You can match up DeAndre Hopkins with Jalen Ramsey, Stephon Gilmore. You can match up Julio Jones with Jalen Ramsey, Stephon Gilmore. I think they're having the hardest time with Julio Jones. And I think I'm winning more than not with Julio Jones, and I'm not as convinced. It's 50-50 with Hopkins, and I'd be probably less than convinced with Michael Thomas. Are you worried about Julio Jones' age, though? A lot of trend those tires. Yeah, I mean, but I think the nature of these questions. Now, if you want to say, hey, building a franchise, all that stuff, I mean, but I, I'm just talking for about the, for, for this, this year, up and coming year. No, I'm not worried about it. Julio Jones all day. Julio Jones. Okay. Just the, the blend of everything. Yeah. On Julio Jones. Well, remember, they have a King's ransom to get him in the first place. And by the way, he's been worth it. Yeah. <laughs> and they should have won a Super Bowl yep. eventually because of it. Hey, when we come back, a little football at 5 o'clock. We'll keep you updated on the high school front, but more NFL talk. Austin has another interesting topic. It is homework here. Oh, yeah. It's next on ESPN 690.